Soldiers of my old guard, after 20 years, I have come to say goodbye. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 156, and in commemoration of its 200th anniversary, we're going to be talking about the cinematic epic known as Waterloo. This great and fantastic film stars Roy Steiger as Napoleon Bonaparte, Christopher Plummer, and Jack Hawkins. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Jeff, does this bearskin hat make my ass look big, Muncie? Thank you, Steve. I was sure that you were just going to refer to me as Napoleon tonight. No. Because, you know, I do tower over him by about an inch. Well, I was going to say, uh, coming in at world average, five foot seven <laughs> inches tall, but I, no, when I saw the bearskin hats, I'm like, no, I, I, I had a different intro for you, so well done. Uh, well done. <laughs> and also joining us is our other good dear friend, Ken, uh, who invited the French, Roni. Where is Monsignor? Where's Monsignor? Do I have to do everything myself? <laughs> yeah, he took 30,000 of our listeners and marched off somewhere to chase the Prussians. That's what he did. If we actually had 30,000 listeners, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, it would. <laughs> we, 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 had have, we did have an uptick this week, and I've got to say the ladies are liking the show. Well, they're also kind of testy at us because I think. I was going to say, I think well, we had a, I think well, we had a down was, tick. Like, putting them down with that post. Who posted that? Who was that? Yeah, who's the douchebag that posted that one? Was I merely posted an article. I didn't put them down. <laughs> and if you read it closely, it's tongue in cheek. But if people can't take it, well, you know, this is the man cave movie. Shovel. <laughs> we need a shovel over here. <laughs> yeah, there are you. We tried to broaden our demographics, and somebody didn't get the memo. <laughs> and last and certainly not least is our other very good dear friend, Mark. Hey, I like good beans. Slower. Don't you dare criticize me, Paul Anders. Don't you dare. Don't you see if Muncie is free to derail the show? Everything we do to keep him on track is your fault. It's lost. Oh, my gosh. Well played. That was That was brilliant. Like it. All right, folks, here we are. We're going to be talking about uh, Waterloo, and this is, gosh, guys, what, what 1970? Yes. yes. This is this is an old one, and it uh, it completely tanked at the box office, which is really kind of surprising because it's, um, <laughs> I mean, they, they don't, let's put it this way, they don't make movies like this anymore, and. Are you, are you referring to, like, communist movies? Um. 
Well, I mean, I mean, when you release a communist Soviet movie in the middle of the Cold War in the United States, there could be a certain reaction you could expect, but we can talk about that later. I guess we could, but I mean, I didn't get that impression from this. And it's, uh, you know, the director is, um, has the greatest name in the world. His name is Sergei Bondarchuk. Did I say that right? I'm sure you mangled it. I'm sure I did. Cause that, that is my role here on the show. Gosh, it's epic. It's an epic movie. Uh, in terms of, I think when the, you know, when they went over there to make it, what'd the Russians say? How many men do you need? You need a couple of cores? I don't know. We'll, we'll throw whatever you have. I think they actually dragged up every Cossack that they had and said, no, bring all the horses, everything in. It is a spectacle. Love this thing. Oh, my gosh. But I think what? I mean, uh, Steiger and Plummer and Hawkins and a few of the others are the only Brits in this movie. Well, Steiger, or I'm sorry, Steiger's not a Brit. He's a, he's American. American. You're leaving out the... Most the prototype of the most interesting man in the world, Orson Welles. Oh my God! <laughs> Blasphemy! He was in it for what? Forty-five maybe, seconds? Maybe forty-five seconds. Doesn't matter. Forty-seven. He put it on pause. Yeah, it was. It was pretty much a cameo for him. And um, wow, but he you, still gets third billing, probably because he's Orson Welles. Yeah. Well, did you see that? Did you see that carriage when he got in it? I thought I thought the I honestly got thought that there's I'm springs like, were going to I was waiting for the thing to collapse. Horses because, to get, did you see the horses? They kind of had to dig in a little bit. Like, oh oh. Yeah, I, I heard the uh, guy up there going, cool. <laughs> I heard somebody in the distance go, Frau Bluka. <laughs> Well, no, we shouldn't make fun of him because, I mean, Orson Welles is a giant in cinema. And this was a, I mean, you can say it was a, it was a cameo, but I thought he did a fine job. He did. He was a giant in this movie too. Jesus Christ. How, how much fabric did they have to, but, never mind. But the great thing is he looked Easy. like Louis. He looked like Louis. He did. He did. He well, looked because Louis looked, that's what Louis looked like. I'm sure we'll get into it maybe now, but really, I mean, the three, well, the two main actors in this movie, I mean, it's, if I had, if I'm able to go back in time and pop in and get to meet Wellington and, and Bonaparte, I'm, I'm confident I would say to probably both of them, you know, you two really aren't like you're supposed to be. Um, you know, the, you know, Steiger and Plummer did a much better job of portraying you. Because they really embodied those characters. Do you think so? I do. Okay. Can you tell me you do you do not think when you see Rod Steiger play Napoleon that 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 is not what you believe Napoleon is? You know, you're right. I I, I kind of do. I really do see that. I don't know as much about the Napoleonic period as you do because I know you're the uh, well, you are kind of the Bonaparte of our well, group. Here's your problem. You've seen me for approximately the last 16 years, and every time you probably go, that damn Napoleon over there. And so, no, Steiger doesn't do Jeff Muncy. Okay, I will say that. But what he does do is the true Napoleon. Now, as far as 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 far as uh, um, Wellington goes, um, I like to see what Mark thinks here. From what I know of Wellington. He was, I think, what we would term today in 2015 – a dick? A dick. Or an asshole. 
And so I think I think that Plummer pulls that off rather well in this movie. I mean, he does. He is such a douchebag in this movie. You're almost rooting for Napoleon to kick his ass. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, my God. Was Wellington really like this? He oh. was. He was no worse. He was worse. Wor- okay, thank you, Ken. He was worse. known to be worse. Oh my he was an God. asshole. He was, he was an A1 asshole. However, however, he got results. You don't, you don't <laughs> get put in this position to, um, to, to, to be nice. And yes. so, um, he was here to get a job done. Of course, he did that in the Peninsula War and, and clearly here he, you know, outwitted Napoleon. So, or did Napoleon outwit himself? I don't know. We can debate that later. Actually, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit, but, uh, uh, guys, I, I do apologize. We do not have a man cave movie intro to this one. Um, uh, Deb's been a little bit under the weather, um, uh, over the weekend. So, uh, I'm just going to give you the IMDB intro to this great and fantastic film. And it is, uh, uh, facing decline of everything he has worked to obtain. Conqueror Napoleon Bonaparte and his army confront the British at the Battle of Waterloo. And, um, guys, I don't know if you notice, if you look on the IMDb, IMDb page, uh, the writers is, um, I love this, H.A.L. Craig. I saw Hell, and I immediately thought of 2001. It's, it's awesome. So, uh, but no, the other, the other writer is Sergei uh, Bondarchuk. And I'll tell you what, this guy had a epic style of vision, what he did with this movie. It's, you will never see movies like this again. I mean, it's just, it it is amazing what he did because this is again, 1970, there's no CGI. It's when you see literally thousands of cavalry, it's all Real people. There's thousands it's, of cavalry. It's like thousands of horses and thousands of men on them. Yes. Yes. You're just sitting here going, Oh my God. They actually have thousands of guys. And it's, it's just, it's one of those movies that you just, it's really hard to wrap your head around when you start seeing the scale of what they did. And, and we'll get into the discussion about it, but I think it's just, it's an epic movie, and it's really sad that this movie, in my opinion, did not uh, do as well in the box office because, again, they don't, you'll never see this done again. I mean, not the way they did then. I mean, it there was no CGI. It's real people. You literally had thousands and thousands of guys. Um you know, in French uniforms, British uniforms, there's the Prussians. Oh my gosh. I mean, the wardrobe department had to have been unbelievable for this. So anyway, uh, open forum, guys. Let's talk about it. Uh, well, John- Steve, Mark, Mark has, Mark has information regarding the production and, um, the uh, wardrobe of this. Mark, you want to explain what you, uh, what you've shared with us over the years? Ah. Oh, sure. Um, Hold on, let me pull that little tidbit up. First off, you just, you'd always rattle it off. I mean, yeah. I figured you just knew it. Well, you know, it's been a long, you, hot day. We're getting older. um. First off, you know, there were they filmed this in Russia with sixteen thousand Russians soldiers. I mean, 
They grabbed up 16,000 men. They built the battlefield in the Ukraine. They bulldozed away two hills, laid five miles of road, transplanted thousands of trees, put the rye, because there's a, the rye field is a critical part of the battle, into this. Um, created the muddy field because the night before it had been raining heavily of the battle. And I think that's some of the best part of this movie. Um, and, oh, you were asking about the uniforms. They they created, um, what was it, some, like, on God, well, 16,000 uniforms, including hundreds of pairs of shoes, and they had 2,000 men who were taught to load and fire muskets. So you had 16,000 marching around with another 2,000 to load and fire muskets. I mean, it's just the Russians gave gave Dino De Laurentiis everything to make this movie. And the other issue that you need to be aware of with this movie and why why this occurred the way it did was because Sergei Bondarchuk had made prior to this if you've never seen it, the ultimate spectacle of one of the heaviest books that if you drop it, it will break your foot, known as War and Peace. <laughs> once. I once. watched it once. once. you got to admit, the Battle of Borodino? A whole... It is well worth the fast-forwarding time it takes <laughs> to get there. Yep. Holy I mean, cow. Now, I got I watched it on VHS, so it was it was pretty bad. But it is well worth the battle scenes to pick it up. So Bondarchuk had made, you know, so Dino De Laurentiis got Bondarchuk to make this. He had it all. Oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot. He had a full brigade. You were mentioning cavalry. He had a full brigade of Soviet cavalry to do all the cavalry attacks. Right. A full brigade. <laughs> yeah, because you're talking about, what, about 1,000 guys for a brigade? Um, Probably 2,500. Or 2,500, yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, my huge. God. That charge of the Scots Grays was... Well, and real oh, quick, that charge of the Scots Grays, and did you see any black or white or brown horses? No. no. They were no. all gray horses. Now, they, now, knowing the Russians, they probably spray painted them. <laughs> I was about to say that. But it works. It's detail. Hey, you know, you get, you get a quarter mile back, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it really is an ambitious... I wrote this down, so pardon me, I'll just read it. It's an ambitious, uneven epic. Um, it's a spectacle, and the parts are greater than the whole, in my mind. Um, that said, it's still, it, it's still a, a very good movie, and it's, in some respects, a very good character study um, by two outstanding actors of two of the greatest generals um, ever to, ever to command armies. Um, it, it's a and as I say, I think a lot of the parts are better than the whole because it is a bit choppy, but that does not take anything away from this movie, especially you don't see battle scenes like this anywhere. And sorry, Peter Jackson, you still can't do it the way no. Sergei Bondarchuk did it. Yep. And you had digital imaging to do it. Doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. It's. I want to point out, we're, we're talking about the scope and the massive, you know, the, the, the I mean, all the work that went into creating these massive epic battle scenes and the, and a realistic, you know, field of battle and all that they did on this. But at its core, this is a, like you use the word, it's a character study. And it's a study mm -hmm. of, you know, men in command 
and they're facing their doubts, their their overconfidence, their concerns, their their their, their conflicts with subordinates, uh, you know, the weather. And a thing that I was impressed with is all through this thing, while you know you see Napoleon and Wellington going about doing their thing, preparing for this massive showdown. Every once in a while, they'll slip back, and you'll be listening to them inside their head, just you know, talking to themselves. And I thought that was a neat feature because you know you don't usually see that in movies about you know historical leaders and such. The fact they've got their own doubts. I mean, they're they may be putting on a show of confidence, but you know. Not so much. And a Steiger does an awesome job at that, I thought. Jeff, what do you think? Much like, I mean, to me, this is one of the, I mean, you, somebody said it was, I think it was Steve in the beginning. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a movie of epic scope and you, you get that epic feel, especially, I mean, I, I don't know how you can't sit there. And I know when I first saw this, you brought it to my attention, Mark. Um, <clears throat> I just sat there just, I mean, when, when you see both, um, opposing sides, you know, in formation, standing on hills and overlooking one another. I mean, when you realize, okay, like you, we've all discussed, it's, it's real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, there's not a bit of CGI. Um, there's not cardboard cutouts. It's, it's real. And, you know, you, it, it, it takes a little while to get there, but once you get there, you are there for a, quite a while. And, and it, like you said, there are parts that are, Kind of choppy. I don't want to say disjointed, but there's just choppy. There's just kind of lulls here and there. <clears throat> but once you get to where Napoleon's having his breakfast meal, and um, and, and through the end of the battle, uh, it's 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 it is epic, like you have never seen. I mean, you know, we've talked about other epic movies. I, I consider sort of Saving Private Ryan as epic, but this is again 1970, and to have all of these moving pieces working. At the same time, I mean, let's give it to the Russian army. I mean, they are well drilled. And to, as you laid out for us, to basically recreate the battlefield and just, I mean, just take a moment to think about that. They recreated a battlefield and then they put thousands and thousands of people out there for a movie. Somebody had a serious passion to do this. And I mean serious. And it wasn't just the director. It wasn't just the writer. There was some other pieces that, and other people had to come into play here to make this all happen. And when it's all said and done, the first time I saw it, I left very, very satisfied. And every time I've seen it since, I've always left very, very satisfied because I'm just in awe of the effort and the coordination, um, of this, and by the way, the two main actors in this do, in my opinion, an outstanding job. See, I would agree because I think these two guys shoot scenery as much as they could. I mean, when they were on screen, they were. And I, I tell you what, Plummer was—I'm trying to find the right word, but I, it, 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 be honest with you, like we said in the beginning, God, he was a dick. I mean, he was, he, he's, he, a, he's an officious British aristocratic prig. Yes. Yes. I mean, he was just, and it did, it worked well, but there were the times where you kind of saw the, I, I don't, I don't know what you call it, the light side of him. Like when he, uh, 
he caught the one private who was plundering. Yeah. And, and I've got I've got a quote. We'll do that one uh, later on. But it it's like that side of it. Or when when the Scots Guards had charged and. When they realize, hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. When they realize, oh, the chart, oh, this is really going badly. And the one guy's sounding the recall. He's trying to get the recall, and he's blaring on the trumpet. And you could see Plumber just kept looking at him. And finally, he just said, "Stop that! (laughs) You'll hurt yourself. You'll hurt yourself." It it was like he he didn't mean to yell at him, but it was like he yelled at him. But then he's like, "Well, he was just doing his job." So. Well, and you got the sense that he, you know, in the in the he's he's frustrated because he realized, you know, he he put his bishop into play, and it's right. uh, it's about ready to be you know taken out by the queen, and you know, so he's you get a sense that he's he's frustrated, and right. he has he's taking he, he's a, he's a professional he's a professional asshole, but he's you know <laughs> he realizes, and you do you see him go, I'm sorry, that's <laughs> yeah. not very gentlemanly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was even like the part where they saw Napoleon running abroad. He's like, should I take a shot at him? He goes, no. We have better things to do than shoot at each other. I mean, he was he was bad a very... Bad form. Yeah, it's bad form. He, he was a very gentleman, but yeah, he just kind of... Yeah, he was very full of himself, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I kept but, thinking... You know, I, the, but the flip side of that is he's very full of himself, but like Ken said... You could see, and I think Plummer does a great job. You know, there are times, especially in the movie, as the battle is hanging in doubt, you know, where he's he's he is showing that you know he is getting frayed. Mm-hmm. And both he and Steiger do a great job because they're up against each other, and they've never fought each other before. Wellington and Napoleon only fought each other at this battle, and there are times where you're starting to see their self doubt, especially late in the battle. Right. As they're trying everything to win, and that facade cracks occasionally. And it's really, well, I think that is a credit to these actors that they show that that type of command presence that still ha- is dealing with incredible strain and stress. Right. That's a good point. And, Mark, and, and for, for the listeners who really don't know about this, I mean, this battle for both sides was very much of a toss-up. It was an end run. I mean, it literally could have swung to other either side. Um, there was a few, but, and Jeff knows a lot more, and I don't want to presume that I'm going to know more about the Battle of Waterloo than Jeff does, but um, Jeff, would you say Grouchy sending off his 30,000 men was a bad move? Well, Napoleon sent him off, but... Um, oh, yeah, I've got some of it, yeah. You know, Napoleon always said, never divide your forces. Right. And, you know, he, you know, goes chasing off after the Prussians. You know, had he, yes, because man for man, the Prussians, I don't think, were better than, than the, um, than the French. But, um, what you end up having was you had superior numbers end up coming to bear on, on Napoleon. Uh, had, had Grouchet been able to keep him in check, um, you know, it would have been a different battle. Um, and that's why, you know, you have military war gamers to this day playing the Battle of Waterloo and what if scenarios. <clears throat> um, and, you know, and I think that that is uh, just an, um, an, a great scene in the movie where, you know, he, you know, somebody says, you know, you know, there's, you know, troops coming on and he says, well, is it, uh, you know, uh, French blue or Prussian black? 
and um, you know, you know, from you know a few miles away, they, you know, it, it all looks the same. Right. And you get that very tense scene where it's you know they're they're waiting for them to come on. Of course, Napoleon knows what it is because he knows that Crochet was chasing the Prussians, um, and so you know he he knew the Prussians were going to show up first. But um, it was as you said. I mean, it was anybody's game until they showed up, and probably probably Napoleon had it um, until the depression showed up. But like you said, it was the Europe was it was <laughs> they were trying to they were caught off guard by his return, and and when he did return, and you know, they were it, they were they were getting whatever they could together. Uh, the, the Russians were getting back together. The Austrians were trying to muster up people, and it just happened that in Belgium. Um, the French, uh, you know, met the the Brits, but by and large, I mean the Brits were sort of out outclassed and outmanned by the French, um, and and but really it was Wellington's use of this incredible terrain that that ended up winning the day. Well, I will tell you what, let's talk a little bit about you know the in this movie, and we've talked about it before uh, earlier, is the epic scale of it just the numbers of guys and one of the things i really wanted to bring up was uh one of the most spectacular scenes was uh when wellington was retreating and when they formed in square and the cavalry when they charged with the cavalry uh, guys I, I i can't even begin to describe the you know what what you're seeing there i mean it's thousands of cavalry and we, when and there's like this helicopter scene that backs out and you're seeing it, it, it's 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 a spectacle i mean it's very very hard to describe you have to actually see the movie to see it because you're like oh my god this is nazi this is 1970 they did not do the do this with cgi it was incredible scene and i i just to me that is the thing that really, to me, makes this movie. Well, and the other part of that is, and I, I'm curious if you caught it too, Jeff. The you have, yeah, you have the incredible shots. You also have the uniforms. Yes. You have the the thing that caught me, and if you're familiar with Napoleonic period, is, um, a one thing that jumped out. And I don't know if you caught it, Jeff, with the French cavalry. You had the red lancers. You had the cuirassier. You had hussars. You had even Carbonier. Did you catch that? Yes. There were there were only two regiments of Carbonier ever in the French army, and there was a regiment of Carbonier. And and they had to create the pieces for this. Right. That's right. what is amazing. There's mud on the uniforms. There's air bursts. The the charge is epic, Steve. You're right. Then there's the whole scene of the French infantry advancing in block. And you see it from the from the British lines, and, and you just watch artillery uh, air bursts and uh, just thousands of men advancing. It's it's just it's a war gamer's dream. Well, that's what I mean. It's like when you saw all that cavalry in like when they did when they's charge goes through, and you see all the British forces in in square and in. Did you guys notice the parts where you saw squares just collapsing, where they just, mm-hmm. they, they fall apart? And it was like, oh my God. But there, this is not CGI. There's literally 
thousands of guys out there. It's like, where the hell did they get all these horses? I mean, it's amazing. It is. That's why it, it really kind of bugs me a little bit that this movie didn't do that well in the box office. Um, I, I think, at least in America, because it is an epic movie. You have well, to see this. It was up against some tough competition that year, so I'm not surprised. Well, well you, we're going to get to that point when we do uh, huh. the, the top ten movies of uh, 1970, so can save it. But no, well, and Steve, it, I think there's another reason. It It is a – it's much like Gettysburg. It, it's a mm-hmm. niche movie. Yep. And it, if you know the history – you know, you're you're familiar with Quatre Bras, yes. which is barely mentioned. You're you're familiar with Ligny, which is barely mentioned. Right. It's a bit. It is disjointed. Now, there has always been speculation, and there has always been rumor, and there are people that are credited in the movie that are not seen. That there is a four-hour version that was shown in Russia, but no, but there, it has never been found. Now, trust me, if it was found people would be going ape crap for it. And I believe the owner of Bell and Blade, which is we've all shopped at his store at Gen Con, yep. has a $10,000 warrant out, essentially. If someone finds <laughs> it, he'll pay them $10,000. Yeah. And I think also, though, but 1970, I, I will say this. People were more familiar with this history than they are today. I mean, honestly, Jeff, you teach in schools. How long do they, in public schools, how much time do they spend on the Napoleonic Wars? Well, I mean, that's that's more of a high school standard than. But um, how they, how much would you say they would spend on? I don't know. You know, not may, not may, much. May, maybe maybe a couple of weeks. But I mean, you know, you've got so much to cover, right. and you know, and and during that period, I mean, you know, when you start with the American Revolution, it's a shot you know heard around the world. I mean, you've got a lot going on there um, that you've got to cover during that period of time. And you know, Napoleon probably gets a footnote, but you, you know, you're not going to get in dive into. Um, you know, you know, the, the, the French Revolution and you're not going to get into, you know, the, the effects of it and, and, and on and on. Right. Um, but, you know, going back to, you know, what Ken said in the very beginning, that there was a lot of reasons that this movie wouldn't have done well in, in America. And I think Ken pointed out one that I think escaped at least me was, you know, this, you know, this, this during the high of the Cold War, this is a Russian movie and there's a lot of anti communist backlash out there. Um, but that said, you know, we, we can go back to the nineties when Gettysburg came out and, you know, that was our, that was our own history and that didn't do too well at the box mm-hmm. office. And so, you know, so Americans aren't going to flock to something that they know nothing about. Right. Um, and you, you know, one of, one of the tragedies, um, is, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick who, who actually had, um, a Napoleon movie script written. And, um, and he was ready to make it. Um, he was in the process of looking to, you know, get funding and, uh, um, and, and you know, whatever, um, uh, casting and whatever he was gonna, he was wanting to do it. Um, and then he passed away and his son apparently has, has taken that and is, is, I guess he's kind of been shopping around for, for opportunities for it. But to think that Stanley Kubrick would possibly be behind, um, and, you know, the script is all written, um, you know, the, you know, mastering the, either the story of him or whether it was, a, you know, the, you know, any significant battles, but you would think that that would be a part of it to this day. Um, 
uh, it is something that I would welcome with open arms if that could be done and done well, and even with CGI in, um, you know, you know, the, the 2000s. And to your point, Jeff, there is a book out about that movie that it's called Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon, the greatest movie never made. Now it's extraordinarily expensive, but there was a book written with in- incredible ton of details. Oh, I did not Sk- know this. Okay. Sounds like the same uh, theory as that Jodorowsky's Dune I told you guys about. And this was at the tail end of these types of movies. You do, you really stop seeing epics of this nature getting made. The seventies the ushered in a different, a different um, genre of filmmaking. Yeah, well, I think that's because the the cost of these is so enormous, and then the payout is so little. Yeah. Well, what it cost thirty five million in U.S. dollars. Which for 1970, that was that was a chunk of change, um, you know, particularly one that probably was not going to play well in the U.S. Well, really, I mean, it was a Italian-Soviet project where they brought in, you know, English and Americans because they wanted it to be, have international appeal. Right. But it really was not. It was not an American-based movie. It was European-based. And about a European battle. Right. And, you know, it's we're Americans, damn it. <laughs> Americans. Yeah. yeah so I think you're, you're, Mark is right that if you go back in the six fifties and sixties, you know, historical, you know, epic documentary type movies, I mean that that was a, a regular sort of thing and it was a you know, appealing, like well, the longest day, things like that. But yeah, once you get in the seventies you might have historical dramas but they would tend to be smaller scale. That's a good point. I want to throw out one, just since we're quiet here for a second, just one other actor and slash character, which I thought was noteworthy and probably was supposed to be bigger than maybe it came off, but that was Dan O'Hurlihay's portrayal of the Marshall May. Because May gets a lot of screen time. Yes, he mm-hmm. does. He and does. He really portrays him. Hurley, he, he does a good job. Like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and if right. you look at historical pictures, I mean, he, he, he does fit Nay very well. Well, the thing that got me is, I mean, did Nay actually lead that charge? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay so. It was not, Napoleon did not want him going at that time. Okay. Oh, he, he was, it was on his own. He, he said he saw, he saw them retreating and he's like, they're in retreat. We got to go yeah. because you got to remember the battle. I mean, they've been beaten up. They, the reason they stepped back was because they were getting the crap beat out of them at that time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he went. And, and when he went, boy, he went. You know, and when you read about Ney historically, this is a man who he cheated death on the battlefield. The retreat from Moscow, right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy cheated death. He was one of those guys who just. Men would flock. He was the perfect leader. If you needed to wind somebody up, point him and let him go. He was, he was that kind of guy and he was, he seemed to be blessed on a battlefield that he was not going to get killed. Yeah, Dan O'Hurley, he does a great job in this movie. And I think the other one we need to mention is Jack Hawkins. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really Hawkins. liked him in that one. 
I like, I like my... him, but the but the thing is oh. about it, his voice was dubbed in. He had throat cancer. Oh my gosh, no kidding. And he passed away in 1973, but he, a number of his lines, some of it he was able to to speak, but he also had two men um who uh dubbed his voice because of throat cancer. Because oh. Hawkins he played picked or Picton, right? Yeah, he probably Picton. And you know where else we saw him, right? We've seen Zulu. him in a lot of movies. Well, what? Which one do you remember? Do you remember uh, Zulu? Yeah, Zulu. Yeah, that was like North of Arabia, Bridge on River Kwai. We haven't done Bridge on River Kwai yet. We haven't done no. that. One. No, but yeah. we saw him in Zulu. That's how I remember. He was the uh, he was the preacher, Reverend Wit. Yeah, the man's got a bottle. <laughs> I think that was like episode four or something like that for us. I mean, that's like one of our early, early shows. So, guys, oh, and he was in Ben Hur. Yes. Oh my he god. Was, uh, the uh, he was senator from... who adopted Ben Hur. How yes. in the hell have we not done Ben Hur? Oh my gosh. I blame you. It is my fault. <laughs> I take full responsibility. Yes. Right on time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have ever mentioned those words in unison. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've even, it's even been on our radar. I think for fear that that, that Steve would say, no, boring, not going to do it. Yeah. Wait, Wait. I would <laughs> never want to do Ben-Hur. Just... <laughs> Are you kidding Anything Roman, I will do. I mean, my gosh. Muncie, you have uh, Okay, we're going to do Monty night. Python? Life of Brian? <laughs> All right, anyway, so moving on. <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. I, I, just, I just have to say that of the <clears> – we haven't really gone deep into it, but again, I, I encourage listeners, if you haven't – if you watch this and like it, Look at the work. Look at the bios of Rod Steiger. Awesome record. Uh, Christopher Plummer, we've had him. Uh, we did, uh, he was in The Man Who Would Be King. Yep. And a slew of other movies. Uh, I mean, up until recently. I mean, he was just in, uh, well, she, what was the Star Trek he was in not too long ago? Undiscovered Country. Yes. No, no. No, yeah, yes. he was. He was, he was the, uh, uh, the, the general. Yeah, he was one, he was, uh, I can't remember the damn guy's name, but, uh, yeah, he did the, uh, with the eye patch that was like nailed to his face. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Plummer is a great guy because he can do movies like this and then he can do a Star Trek episode. He is so versatile. What so a great actor. He's also the lead in the sound of music. Was he really? Yes. Oh. He's Captain Von Trapp. Yeah. See, I've never seen it. Oh, that's right. You want me to regale you with some of the uh, lyrical pieces of that movie sometime? I've got them memorized. Oh, my God. Moving on. Uh, we... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, what are your some of your favorite scenes from this movie? I know I've already jumped the gun on this one. I've already sh- shared what mine was. But was there anything about this movie that really jumped out and said, oh, my God, this is spectacular. This is Great, Jeff, Mark. No, go Mark, ahead. Go ahead. I always start. I always start, and I, I talk the most tonight. Actually, no, you know no. what? I'm I'm just going to make the command decision. Uh, Jeff, you have to actually start. What okay, was thanks, your... Steve. All right. Um, one of my favorite scenes is um, <laughs> is when uh, 
is when Napoleon, um, you know, arrives back on the mainland and, um, and, and is greeted by Ney, who said that he's going to bring him back in an iron cage. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and so you've got these, uh, you know, you get the Napoleon with his old guard. Um, and, and then you've got, um, and then you got uh, Ney with the rest of the French army behind him. And, and, and just the, you just, you, you, you get to see Rod Steiger doing his best Napoleon in very dramatic fashion. And, um, in, in, and the way that, you know, he, he approaches, you know, the men who have been brought to bring him into uh, Louis the 18th and, uh, and, and just his, he's, you know, he just, he, he believes he is king, um, and that these men love him and, and they aren't going to do anything. And of course he's right. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. And, <laughs> and so, you know, you know, you just see everybody, you know, you know, um, you know, um, pledge allegiance to him right there on the spot. And you get the sense, you know, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, you know, he, he arrives back and this is what, uh, uh, the rest of Europe was afraid of is he, he is so charismatic and you, you saw that and, um, Rod Steiger did such a fantastic job with that. Um, and then of course my other favorite scenes are everything you've already laid out there, but that is, that is one of my favorite scenes. And I won't say my other one, cause I'm pretty sure Ken or Mark will say the other one, but, uh, but that's it. Mark, Ken, you. Ken, go ahead. We already talked about the fact this is an epic movie with, you know, Great cinematography showing these epic battle scenes. And, you know, I could, I could dwell on a lot of them. I mean, th- that part is just solid all the way through, but I'm going to th- throw out a scene I like, which is sort of a little throwaway line, uh, throwaway scene, just a very short scene. Uh, but what it did is, you know, not to go great into the history, but, you know, it wasn't like water or it wasn't like Napoleon just said, I think I'm going to march to Waterloo and fight Wellington. He fought some big battles to get there, and uh, the one in the one battle he fought the Prussians and beat the Prussians. And they've got that scene where it's a, I know, I'm gonna, Sergo Zakharaji playing Field Marshal Blucher. There's a scene of the Prussian, you know, the Prussian staff is saying, you know, we need to retreat, we need to get back to our base, we, you know, we need to, you know, we're whipped. And basically, he just gave this speech about how, you know, he's 72 years old and, you know, he's not going to, you know, have this, you know, Frenchman push him around and, uh, showed the, the resolution, which, you know, this, this is a battle where the uh, Wellington won because the Prussians showed up. So it's very important that you establish early on the fact that these other allies are out there, even though the movie is focused on Wellington and the British. And I thought that scene was very well done and it established the fact that yes, you know, this, you know, as a movie's going on, you know that, you know, Wellington may be in a tough spot, but there is that, you know, that Blucher guy that put that, you know, impassioned speech. He's coming and he's going to get there if he can. So I thought that was a nice little touch. Very nice. My turn. Your turn. Okay. I don't know if this is the one you had in mind, Jeff, or not, but it's the night before the battle. Wellington's in his headquarters and Napoleon's in his headquarters. It's pouring rain and they're both looking out the window. And they're going through in their mind their plans for the battle. 
And it's all the way Bondarchuk shot it. It's almost as if they're talking to each other. Remember that scene, guys? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It, yep. It's really well done. And they're, they're expressing their doubts. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're, they're working through this. And it, I think it gives just a great sense of the command decisions and the stress that these guys are under. So that's one. I, I'm, that's probably not the one. So it's probably this little piggy is the one <laughs> Jeff was going to mention. Yes. It, 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 it's a great scene where Wellington is walking the line. And he runs into the Inniskilling Regiment. And this <laughs> corporal has um, found a little piggy that's lost his way and ended up in his knapsack. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have the audio for that, Steve. Oh, absolutely. That That is such a great scene. <laughs> that, that back and forth. And that corporal is in a forlorn hope and holds his ground brilliantly. <laughs> Got promoted. Got promoted. Got promoted. Day when he's walking around, and he's he's showing his his he's showing his chevrons off to some artillery officer. Like, the guy's like, "What the hell?" Oh, great shot. Yep. Yeah, but there's a lot of good character scenes with just Steiger and some extras, and Plummer and some extras, or other actors, but that's really focused on them, and, and we said it before, but I think it bears repeating that this, in a lot of ways, yes, great combat scenes, epic battle, but this is truly a good character study of of both men. Well, I think that's it. I think it is very much a character study because it really focuses on, you know, uh, Steiger's character playing Napoleon, Wellington played by Christopher Plummer. I mean, you really get to see how these guys play out. Um, you know, you, you see a little bit more on the French side because there's, you know, some more of the subordinating officers, uh, nay, especially like Jeff talked about, but, um, it is very much a character study because in the thing that you pointed out, Mark, and, and that was something that I think is really important about this movie is that scene you talked about when they're like standing at the, you know, in the windows kind of, they're not talking to each other, but they're, they don't go into this battle thinking they're going to win. Each one of them, I mean, they've got a lot, of, there's a lot of self-doubt. They don't know if this is going to turn out right. I mean, both of them have backup plans. I mean, they're, they don't know if this is going to, you know, even Napoleon, you always say, he's going to go and he's going to win. You see a little self-doubt there. He's not sure. Uh, same thing with Wellington. And I've got a great quote uh, about Wellington, you know, toward that before the Prussians got there, when it was looking really bad, you could see Wellington's like, well, shit, this <laughs> is, this is really going bad for my side. And I, I'll tell you what, one thing before we get to, um, the other segment of the show is I just wanted to bring this up real quick, guys, is the aftermath of the battle was it, it it's really unbelievable i mean it, it just i can't even imagine what it was like afterwards i mean it, it must have taken weeks to clean up that battlefield to get all the bodies and i mean and when they had to have just buried it mass graves right oh in reality yeah 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 and they would have burned the horses 
Well, that's what I was thinking. It's like the whole, I mean, and that was the other part that was just so hard to watch. You know, that, that one scene when Wellington is like riding through and you would see like these horses trying to get up. I'm like, Oh, good Lord. I, I just, I hate to see horses laying down and, oh, there's something very disturbing, visceral about that where you see a horse trying to get up and he can't. And, Oh my gosh, it, it it was terrible to watch. And I have to wonder when you look at um, some of the scenes in this movie, I, you gotta know people died on this set. I mean, there were some of the shots <laughs> that they had or, were or like horses were hurt in the production. Oh, of this yeah. movie. I'm I don't think, think the ASPCA was allowed on the set. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking they had to put a shit ton of horses down. After that, that char- the the Scots Gray when they charged, I'm like, oh my god! I I think I actually saw horses die during these well, scenes. Oh, I'm the sure there's started. a few. I'm sure there's a few Cossacks that died too. They really got killed because I'm like, uh, that's that 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 hurt. Oh my gosh! Um, well, when the French charged, Steve, they went in the ditch. Yeah. Oh my god! That. Oh, good lord. I, I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, how, how, oh, that's right, this is filmed in Russia in 1970. Yeah. Oh, we got more horses and people. <laughs> <laughs> we got more spray paint over here. We're fine. Yeah. Just throw more bodies on the pile. Oh my God. There were scenes that you watched that you have to realize when this was made and where it was made, and you're like, I actually think some of these people died. I, I, I'm not saying that the casualty count was right up there with Waterloo, but I'm thinking it was pretty close. To see. If you've never seen this, it is something to see. It, it, it is an epic spectacle. You also mentioned the end of the movie, and it's very powerful. And it goes back to, I, I, and again, I give Bondarchuk credit, because it's reflective of something that, Wellington actually, he wrote from the battlefield just after the battle that the only thing worse than being on a battlefield that you've won is a battlefield that you've lost on. Right. After the Battle of Moscow and Borodino, um, in the, uh, French retreat, they were going past all the, all the dead soldiers that they had fought, you know, months before that. Mm hmm. And, I mean, that's what they were having to march past. And, of course, by that point, people were frozen solid right. as they're on there. I mean, and so you're right. There's, no, I mean, there, we can't even possibly comprehend what these people, what the lives of these soldiers was like. There's no way. Yeah, it, it, it's a whole different you know, whole different era. I mean, you just can't even comprehend. Because, I mean, what these guys would lose in a day is what we were losing. Oh, gosh. I mean, look at what, uh, I mean, because Waterloo was a day. And how many guys? I mean, you're talking between both sides. What? what 30, total casualties? Yeah, you're talking maybe, I mean, just dead alone was probably, what, 30,000? And that was in a um, day. Yeah, it was about yeah, it was about twenty four to twenty six thousand, I think. On both sides. So that was yeah. in a day. I mean, that's incomprehensible Roughly. by today's you you just can't even wrap your head around that today. Well the thing is that, I mean, Europe never 
and I, I shouldn't say never. I mean, I can't. I don't know how long it took Europe to just recover from the loss of horses alone. Right. Never mind the manpower. Um, I mean, you know, basically, I mean, Russia was, I mean, if you look at Russia's history and the millions of, of people that have died fighting wars, and I mean millions between tens of millions, tens of millions between, between this period and World War II, I mean, it's staggering that a country could go through that and yeah. still be a country. Yeah. Wars were, that's how battles were fought. That's how people, that's what people expected. Uh, when you had a battle, that's, you, you had, you won by just getting in front, grappling with them, using your bayonet and shooting each other up at short range, like this movie shows very good examples of. And that's just bloody, horrible work. Yeah. But it's, it's not like it was like this was radically different than anything else. I mean, that, that's how warfare was at that time. I mean, it's changed over the years. I mean, war is a horrible thing no matter when it is. But this was up close and personal when you were, you know, going about your fighting. Right. Moving on to the next part of the uh, podcast, it is now time for Brother What You Drinking. And Mr. Muncie, what do you got? I have maybe one of the greatest beers I have ever had. Oh my gosh! Oh, and bold. Mean, that's a bold, bold statement. Bold statement. I don't know. It's not hyperbole, and it, now I don't want to be too grandiose here when I say this. Is that hyperbole? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Is, is that hyperbole? Booker. Hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> Guess say the e at the end. Yeah. <laughs> this this beer comes from our good friends, and and we need to go up here, gentlemen. We need to take a trip up to Kalamazoo, Michigan, to see the bells, whatever production they have going on up there. I, th I think it is time that we go up there. Mm. <clears throat> um, tonight I have the Bell's Cherry Stout. The Bell's Cherry Stout. The Bell's Cherry Stout. It's a very seasonal beer. <clears throat> um, it, it's, it's, it's usually a fall winter beer. Um, they usually have it from October through January, but it, uh, you know, the supply dwindles down through March. Maybe, maybe the best beer I've ever had. It really? is such a mellow beer. It's not heavy on the cherry. It's not at all hoppy. Um, it is such a smooth, just, it's one of those beers you could just sit and drink and drink and drink and drink. Let me know when to stop and mm. drink. I've, I've seen it before. You don't, you won't see it during the, usually the summer and spring. Um, I actually picked it up this last week looking for, um, a different type of drink for, uh, someone else. The, um, the, this isn't your father's root beer or something. Um, oh my gosh. I, was, I, I had some of that what? this weekend. Oh, did you? How was it? Because I can't find it anywhere. Holy shit. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> what is it? It's one of that's, those drinks, Mark, where you drink it and you don't realize how much you drink and you get up and you fall flat on your face. Yeah, because it's like 5.9%. It yeah, it's, will it's, kick you so in the it's ass. Not root. It's, it's root no, beer. No, no. Yeah, it, 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 it tastes exactly beer. like root beer. And yep. oh my God. That's, that's yeah. what I keep hearing. And, yeah. uh, anyways, it's really but, not for me, but, yeah. um, but Continue, anyway, Jeff. The, the cherry stout, it is, um, it, and it's not a super big AVB, but, um, anyways, I found, I found this last six pack and it had a hefty little price tag on it. 
And I was like, you know, it's going to break my code. But I really, nothing else really sounded good. And uh, so I broke my code, and I, I paid a hefty little amount for this six-pack. It was a six-pack, at least. It wasn't a four-pack. Um, but um, it's an amazing beer. Just downright amazing. Awesome. Very nice. Mr. Mark, what do you got? Uh, from I featured them before. Good friends in St. Louis, the Schlafly's Brewery. Yes. Gotcha. Love those guys. Good, good, good product. I'm... It's a school night for me. I have to work tomorrow, and like Mr. Muncie, who's on summer break. And so, thanks, Jeff. Here we go. Holiday. Sorry. Wow. Really? Do you have to grab a certain part of your anatomy? (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. I don't. Those those are in a those are in a glass jar somewhere around here. By the door. (laughs) Collecting dust. I think it holds a door open somewhere. But we digress. Yes. Um, We? Us? um, Schlafly's Pale Ale. It's a very nice, crisp, well-balanced English pale ale. It's it's just a little little hoppy, little spiced, but very, very refreshing, very crisp. It's been a buster of a heat wave down here already, and I just wanted something... Light and refreshing, and I can absolutely recommend Schlafly's Pale Ale. A very, a very good take on the English pale ales. Very nice, I like it. Schlafly's is really good stuff. So, very good. Yes, very nice. All right, guys. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I am finishing off. Love my mom because she brought down a shit ton of Three Floyds. Uh, from Munster, Indiana, one of the greatest breweries in Indiana, um, second, I would say, to Sun King. But, um, gentlemen, uh, in commemoration of this great, fantastic film, uh, one of the uh, one of the beers that Three Floyds is renowned for is the Robert the Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, it is a. Uh, Mm-hmm. It's a Scottish ale. <laughs> well, you've got Scots in this movie. They're featured prominently. Oh, they are featured God. prominently. Good beans, Wellington. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh my gosh, this is really good beer. And you know what? I'm just going to give you a little sound clip of how good this beer is. You know, I pictured Deb speaking over that in her intro, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sad that that did not happen. You know, she she was not feeling well today. It's uh, I have no comment. And uh, but anyway, so I am drinking the Robert the Bruce uh, from Three Floyds. They're up in Muster, Indiana. I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, Three Floyds, Sun King. Yeah, that's about as good as you can get for Indiana. And uh, and beers, so very good stuff. I highly recommend. Very malty, very crisp, and that's what I'm drinking. All right, yeah. And last, and certainly not least, it's now time for catching up with Ken.
All right, Ken, what do you got? What's the top highlight of um, your week? Because yeah, this, it was this, literally uh, week that my highlight, social highlight was Zubilation. Uh, Zubilation is a big fundraising event down at the zoo. Uh, had to put on my tux, uh, join my friends. Every you know, all the ladies get you know dressed up as glamorously as they can. Lots of designer attire. Uh, the zoo is you know turned into a, a just a massive meet and mingle place. They've got free bars scattered around. Uh, most of the top restaurants in town will have booths where you can sample, you know, their 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 standards. Uh, they've got bands, a number of bands playing, uh, hospitality booths where you can get more liquor and such. And I went down and just again mixed and mingled. Uh, had a real good time. And you know, this is a a touch above my usual. I'm usually not mingling with the beautiful people and the, the upper crust, I tend to, you know, have a more reasonable standard. I'm not like Mark. I mean, Mark's used to this sort of thing. But me, this is my one time a year where I do this. I had a real good time, and I'll do it again. I did it last year, and I'll do it again. So that was uh, the highlight. I mean, I've done a, you know, hit a few bars. I went to a couple, went to a party last night. went to another party today. Uh but you know, keep them busy. So that's that was my highlight. And now I'll go back to living my normal life. <laughs> nice. The tux is hung up. It's yeah. I will be showing up at some point in a tuxedo kilt because you know I identify with the Scottish. It beats Polish peasant attire, which is your natural historical. Attire. You know, I actually might, you know what, I might surprise you. I might show up as a Polish uh, Lancer at some point. Okay. Yeah. I figured Steve was just looking for an excuse to wear women's clothing. All right. Uh, so <laughs> so we're done. And uh, let's see, I got to make a note to kill Muncie. Yeah, that, all right. Uh, we're moving on to. I'm surprised you don't have a tattoo of that, sir. <laughs> I, yeah, no, next time no we, we can't have any recording of that. No, this is after. All right. Uh, we're moving on. All right, we're moving on to clips, one of our favorite parts of the show. And guys, I got a, quite a few here, so we're just going to burn through these. Number one. Abdicate. Your enemies will allow you to retire to the island of Elba with a personal guard of a thousand men. It is an honorable exile, sire. There's nothing left for you to do but abdicate. Uh, and guys, just so you know... Um, there's something about the CD that I got. It the sound sounds a little weird, kind of like back and forth. Um, I don't know if the stereo quality on this one was that good. So just yeah, let me tell you real quick. I've got the Russian version, and it's you can get it on Amazon. It's it it was cheaper than it is now, and they completely digitally remastered it because I had probably what you're watching on VHS. Yeah, and the sound. And the sound and video quality is is not the best. Okay. But if you find the Russian digitally remastered version, it is stunning. Okay. Because when I was recording these, I was watching the recording. I'm like, okay, there's because I was doing it in, in stereo, and I was looking at. I'm like, okay, this you know, left channel looks really good, right channel is like, eh. so yeah. All right, so just so you know, it's not me. But, all right, number two. 
Wellington, 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 Wellington. Why are you all so afraid of Wellington? Is it because he beat you in Spain? Is that why? France will not follow you. France will follow me to the stars if I give her another victory. I'll tell you, Steiger was awesome. He he just chewed scenery six ways a Sunday on this movie. Um, guys, here you go. This is, to me, the ultimate of angry acting. You all stand before me waving a piece of paper, crying, abdicate, abdicate. I will not! I will not! 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 Yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a little temper tantrum right there. That was, I mean, oh my gosh. I'm thinking it's like, God, if I was one of the extras standing there, I might have shit my pants myself. I mean, that was brilliant stuff. I'm going to bust it out of the next Gen Con. That's what Jeff Jeff will be saying on Sunday before he has to go back to school. (laughs) I will not. I will not. Not. Yes. This is the day before Jeff has to go back to work. All right. uh, Let's see. Next one. Napoleon and his followers, the thousand men, they're not really dangerous yet. Marshal Salt, you'll keep command of our troops here in Paris. Marshal Ney, you will be the first to confront the werewolf. And that was Orson Welles. Europe really hated that man. Just hated him. Yep. I was just waiting for him to go at one point, and we will drink no wine before it's time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the poem of Song Vintage. All right, next one. Let's get your face near the way you stood over me at Fontainebleau, forcing me to abdicate. I did what I had to do. For France. Yeah, what's good for France? I understand you made a promise to the king. Yes, sir. Something about a cage? Yes. What was it? Exactly. I said I'd bring you back to Paris. In an iron cage. <laughs> That's what I heard you said. <laughs> and again, I apologize for... I mean, it's just how the, the, the DVD I had just was really bad on the sound. So... Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, I have no what this, oh, oh, this is a good one. Well, they've done it. Declared me an enemy of humanity. All Europe has declared war against me. Not against France, but against me. They dignify, sir, by making you a nation. <laughs> dignify. Dignify, they deny me the decency of law. They make it legal that any clown can kill me. Any clown. And that is true. They declared war on Napoleon. Yes. They made a distinction, not France. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm skipping number seven because I've already played it. Number eight. They are the salt of England, Arthur. Scum. Nothing but beggars and scoundrels. All of them. Gin is the spirit of their patriotism. Yet you expect them to die for you? Mm-hmm. See, and, and that is the dick part of <laughs> he played it so well. He's like, well, Jen, give him Jen. Well, they're going to die for you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, guys, here we go. This is, this is another 
uh, angry moments. And um, Mark, this is for you. If he's retreating, what are you doing here? Well, I came to make my report. If Wellington's retreating, what are you doing here? Why didn't you follow him? Why didn't you pursue him? Where were the reinforcements you promised me? Don't you dare criticize me! Don't you dare! Don't you see if Wellington's free to choose his ground? Everything I've won in this campaign, you've lost! Well, there you go. I love that scene. And they is just pissed. He's like, what yeah. the f***? I just destroyed a whole division, and you're pissed at me? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. Uh, number 10. That must be the whole army. They're still positioning, sire. Never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. That's bad manners, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the laugh. He always has, like, this laugh during certain things. And it's like, where, where did that come from? Is that a Napoleonic thing, or? I, I think it's just a. A, a bad forced laugh on Rod Steyer's part. Was it? Because he did I that a lot. So. He did that a lot throughout this movie. All right. Uh, I have no idea what the hell this is. All right, hold on. This little pig has lost its way, and and I'm trying to find her relations. Sorry. <laughs> this fellow knows how to defend a helpless position. Uh, raise him to corporal. Yes, sir. Lay the goat next time, Patty. You'll be a sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I forgot about the word. Great scene. That's a great scene. Yeah. Get a goat next time. You'll be sergeant. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. What's this one? Um, oh, here we go. Good, good quote here. Who did you give your watch to, hey? Somerset, sir. Expecting to die tomorrow. I don't like those thoughts. Having them sometimes makes them come true. Yep. Okay, uh, next. And Mark, this is another one for you. Ah, expert. As I am second in command, and in case anything should happen to you, what are your plans? To beat the French. Yes, and your point? Yeah, your point was? All right. Uh, And again... You heard a hint of that great martial music in the background. Oh, my gosh. There was so much good stuff in this. Um, actually, I apologize for not getting more. Mark? Mm. From our Why are old, you picking on me tonight? I'm not picking on you. I'm just going to okay. say from our old reenacting days. Oh, there, okay. I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. I know what this is. Yep. Well, that happens the ball. I believe I distinctly looked at you at one reenactment and said, Michael. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on cue. On cue. <laughs> you nailed it. Okay. All right. Last and certainly not least, Mark, <laughs> this is another one for you because I know how much you love this movie. If Marshal Blucher doesn't come through now, they'll break every bone in my body. Good beans, Wellington. If there is anything in this world about which I know positively nothing, <laughs> it is agriculture. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in this movie. <laughs> because the Scott is like, 
I have no, I I just don't care what's going on. Right. He is totally <laughs> he is totally oblivious. He's like eating beans. He's like, yeah, the army's falling apart around. Hey, but these beans are really good. <laughs> and and Wellington's look on his face, like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> yes. You know, Wellington's like, I'm about to lose this battle, and this Scotchman's over here talking about, hey, these are really good beans. <laughs> oh, I love that part. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Uh, so there you go, folks. That is it with the uh, the Man Cave movie review clips of this great and fantastic film. Now we are moving on to the top ten movies of 1970. Mr. Roney, what do you have for us? Well, uh, like I said, 1970 was a great movie or great year in film. We actually have talked about it before because we've actually reviewed several movies from that year. To start out at number 10, <clears throat> we have Chariots of the Gods. Oh, God. Eric Von Donneken. Yeah. Well, this goes back. When, when we, when you go back into the '60s and '70s, almost without fail, one of the top ten movies will be some movie that, like, it's some again some flaky cult classic thing. I mean, we talked about it recently, where it's like an IMAX movie was like the top movie. Uh, you know, no one ever heard of it. No one knows what it is. Yeah, Chariots of the Gods all about it was. Uh, a, a phony documentary on how ancient astronauts visited Earth and, you know, they're responsible for everything that mankind has ever done. Amen, um, Chariots of the God, man. It, they're, take, they're frankly taking over South America. <laughs> Number nine. <laughs> a movie which we did. Torah, Torah, Torah. Number eight. Oh my gosh, we we did do that one, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know where you were, SD, but... No. Gotta, Number eight, Ryan's Daughter. Why? A epic romance, you know, historical romance set against the Irish Rebellion of 1916. Okay. Number seven. It's not a man cave movie, but it's actually a pretty good. If you want a good romance, it's a good solid romance. Uh, number seven, Little Big Man, a quirky movie, fun, uh, worth catching. I'm not, not going to say it's great, but it's worth catching if you haven't seen it. Mm. One of the most number interesting s- Custer reenactments. It, it's a different take on the Battle of Little Bighorn in there, among other things. Uh, number six, I think many people with small children have seen this movie, The Aristocats. Never saw it. I'm not, Dis- ashamed. I'm not ashamed. It's a Disney cartoon classic. Yes, I know. Uh, number five, Woodstock. If you okay. ever wondered, like, get the whole experience of Woodstock because you were not born and you don't want to, you know, actually have to take the brown acid to see what it's like. You can watch this movie. No, I was born there and I have no desire to see it. So next, number four, you were born at Woodstock. Number four, you were born at Woodstock. No, I was born at that time, but I think what was Woodstock? 
1970. Well, Woodstock would have been like, I think the year before, 1969. 69, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was two. All right. So. Okay. Number four. Patton. Oh, oh. We've reviewed that. Yeah, we did review that, and it is a great show. Ladies and gentlemen, please go back to the archives and find that show. It's great. Mm. Number Ken, three. Ken was actually top form in that movie. I was? Yeah, you were great in that show, in, in that episode. Okay. I, I, I try to give it my usual, you know, 110%. Good old college try. That's right. Yeah, uh, but number three, Mash. Ah, done that one. That was a that great, one. great movie. Yeah, whatever. I would agree, Jeff. That was a great movie. Outstanding. <laughs> and then there's Steve. Well, there's evidently a whole lot of people that agree with you because it was the number <clears> one, <throat> the number three movie of 1970. I'm sure it was. See? Number two. Airport. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember that movie. Airport. Now, just to put this in context, airport was the inspiration for airplane. Yeah. Inspiration. To some, to, it was part of the inspiration. Airport. There was a straight-up drama with a you know cast of dozens of Hollywood superstars. <laughs> Airplane. I picked a hell of a day to stop sniffing glue. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're watching Airplane. Don't get the. <laughs> you two guys? Did we ever do Airplane? Oh, no, no, but, well, in a sense, we did. Well, basically, it's nothing but a massive clip fest. We don't need to play, we just play the clips, and that's yeah. it. It speaks for itself. All right, Ken, keep going because we'll never end this thing. Continue. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Here we go. Number one. <laughs> Butsy, shut up. You like Turkish baths, Jeffy? Someone needs to blow up the automatic pilot. <laughs> All right, Ken, number one. Hurry. Number one. A movie which I can say without any fear of contradiction will never grace the archives of the Man Cave movie review. Love story. Because love means you never have to say you're sorry. Yeah. Damn, damn depressing movie right there. <laughs> I don't know. And I can also say love story, you know, means I've actually never seen it. So I'm not sorry. I can't say I'm sorry because I haven't seen it. Wow. Beyonce well, it came out when I was a little kid. I mean, it was mushy a love story. What am I, you know, I'm not going to spend my time watching a love story when you're a little kid. Yeah. And I can give you just a couple little bits of movie, of film trivia. Okay. From 1970, a sad bit of news. In January of 1970, Larry Fine, the second member of the Three Stooges, oh my gosh. suffered a massive stroke and it ended his career. Wow. Uh, in March, Ornella Muti had her film debut. We talked about her in our review of Flash Gordon. Yes. A oh big princess. My goodness gracious. And in October, Joan Crawford's last film, 
the low budget horror movie Trog, <laughs> which I saw. God. Is that any relation? Is that any relation to Chud? Oh my God! I actually saw that movie. I had no idea that was her. Oh my God! Oh my God! Seriously, what is Trog? Oh, I probably should edit this out that I actually saw that movie. Wow. I think you should be proud of it. No, Trog. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. You know, scientists find a troglodytic caveman and bring him back to the modern world yes. with horrible, horrible effects. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a classic. It was a Chud-like movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. All right. There you go, folks. That is the top ten movies of 1970 and some great... Uh, callbacks from our youth if if you will so we are now moving on to the man cave movie checklist of this great fantastic film number one did anyone jump through a window um no i didn't see it There were broken windows and flapping windows and all sorts of other windows, but no. Okay. All right. So there we go. So legal has voted on that one. All right. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a lip title role in this movie? No. <laughs> I say yes. Really? Yes. There was, I mean, I, that was part of... <laughs> they, I, gave, I, they gave way too much time to the irrelevant female flirtation with the young officer scene in that ball before the battle. Well, that's because you know he's going to die. That's why he was... Fine. Yeah. Just let him die. I no. didn't need to see that. It was 10 minutes of film they could have done with that and had some good battle scenes or blood and guts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, clearly... Clearly, Ken had a good time, but not a great time at Tubalation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three. Son of a bitch must God, pay. I do this every time. <laughs> well, you know, How it would be a podcast heavy? if you didn't push the wrong frickin' button. Yes, they it must. All right, next. <laughs> What's there a little scream in the movie? There should have been one. There should have been one. Well, it's a Soviet movie. They're not going to be using Yankee film effects. Oh, my God. There should have been. I mean, all the horses and the guys. Fly. Oh, my gosh. The, 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 this thing should have been Wilhelm scream like about every five seconds. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It should have been. Somebody falling off a horse should have been <clears throat> yep. a Wilhelm scream. Pretty much. All right. Uh, let's see. Next. All right, could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Actually, I think Tony Katane was like 13, so it's probably not going to apply here. But well, we always say it's Tony Katane in her prime. Yes. And in her prime, I'd say no. She could have played the Duchess of uh, whatever, whatever that, uh, how she was in. I'll grant you, fine. Okay. Duchess of Richmond? Whatever it is. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. All right, uh, next. Uh, 
Was there a montage in this movie? No. 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 There's no montage. No. Mm-mm. Mm. All right, no montage. All right, last and certainly not least. And Mark, for the next show, we're going to get the WTF for the show. Got it. And so it begins. Mr. Mosey, was there a B5 reference in this movie? No, there was not. Really? Really. I mean, did you come up with one? No. No. You know why? No. Because there's not one. Yeah. Well, that would explain it. Yes. You have failed me for the last time. All right. You need to so, get that modified too. You have failed me again <laughs> this week. Yes. Yeah, and you just need to have you have failed me for the last time this week. Because <laughs> it won't be the last time. No, right. It never is. is. All right. Uh right. well there you go, folks. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review checklist of this green fantastic film. We are now moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this movie. Mark or Jeff, it's yours. This is, uh, Jeff, I did it last week. Mark, it's all you. Mark, I think you really, really have to do this one. This is your, right. Um, I, I think it's Waterloo. I think people can guess we, we really enjoyed this movie. Um, a number of us are fans of the period of Napoleonic War. As we mentioned earlier, it is, um, it is an ambitious epic, uh, one of the last of its kind. Uh, it, it truly is impressive. Um, it, it's really kind of two movies in one. It's a character study of Wellington and Napoleon, and then it is the battle. It is disjointed, um, and that is due to editing, um, which is unfortunate if there is the four-hour version out there. It would probably flesh out a lot of it. And you have to have some, it would help if you had some background, even if you just read the Wikipedia page on the Battle of Waterloo to know what going on because there are moments of battle where you're a bit confused. Things jump. But that said, it is an incredible movie. Um, we've talked about the production qualities. We've talked about the photography, uh, the acting. It It's one of those epics that has probably will never see the light of day again, especially with CGI, which I think would be so overdone if someone made this movie or a movie like it now, it would just, it would just be how much, how much CGI can we stuff in a bag and it would just be too much. You really are watching 16,000 men move on a field. You're watching guns and horses and explosions and more explosions. And did I mention Fire explosions? trucks and hookers and booze. and booze and mules and donkeys. It, it is, it is just an impressive movie. If you can find the Russian remastered version, throw it on a 60-inch screen TV and you'll understand what we're talking about. Um, uh, it, historically, is it accurate? For what it's trying to do, yeah. It, I mean, it leaves things out, it compresses things, but it gives you a good sense of the 100 days. Napoleon's brief reign when he returns to Melba. Uh, so I will give this movie, I'm going to give this movie a solid 8.5. It tries to accomplish so much and it it does very well. It does come up short, as has been mentioned. And also, 
the film quality is not great if you just get the standard version. But that doesn't take away from the movie. Um, it's an impressive movie. It's well acted and you just, you just won't see 16,000 guys on a field anymore like this. So I, I will give it a eight and a half. Highly recommend it. I believe you can get it on Netflix, Steve. Yes. Okay. Okay. So eight and a half. Jeff. Um, I, I agree with Mark. I think it is, um, just such a solid movie for, for what to try and do and tell you the, the, the story of, uh, the Battle of Waterloo. And it, it is, it is very well portrayed by, uh, the, the two, uh, opponents, um, on the battlefield with just uh, a lot of great writing. And, and you're not going to see, uh, a better orchestrated military <clears throat> battle. Um, movie out there. Period. Muncie. Out. Very nice. Mr. Ken, what do you got? What they said. <laughs> Very nice. Um, guys, I will... Um, actually, I'm going to second Mark. Pretty much everything he said. 8.5. Um... I almost want to say a nine. I actually know I'm going to give it a nine. It's for, for the time it was made, excellent movie, great cinematography. Um, I'm just going to boost up a little bit more than that. You have to see this movie. If you are interested in this period of time, you want to see an epic Napoleonic type battle. Oh my gosh. This is it. This is the one you have to see. So there you go. Uh, nine. I'm going to, Bump it up. I'm going a little bit above. Above and beyond the Call of Duty, as they say. All right, so there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Move Review. I have no idea what the hell that was. That was a weather special. Severe storm warning came through on my phone. Sorry. Okay. All right, no, that's fine. Because you know what? Because, I'm... you know, just like the severe weather slowed down the combatants the night before this battle we are we are facing stormy weather here (laughs) yes very well done all right all right there you go folks that is it with the man cave movie review episode 156 believe it or not i still can't i'm i'm amazed we're still doing the show uh but that's it (laughs) i find your lack of face disturbing (laughs) i know you do son of a bitch must pay all right (laughs) All right, so that I is walked into that one. I know I did. All right, so that is it with the Man Cave Movie Review episode one fifty six. Check us out our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. You can also find us on Stitcher at Man Cave Movie Review, and uh, please uh, look for us on uh, Twitter and follow us and share us with your friends at Man Cave Movie Review. So until our next show, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Jeff. Does this bearskin hat make my ass look big, Muncie? Um, oh, hey, we're at that part of the show. Um, yeah, oh, as I'm second in command, and in case anything should happen to you, 
Where's your pappy at? <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll never find it. It's all mine. No, that's getting buried with me. Just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> all right. And, my other, and signing off with my other good and dear friend, Ken, who invited the French? Ronnie. Merd. <laughs> Actually, I think he said death in French, not scheiss. Just no, I, think, I, I said what I wanted to say. I took three <laughs> semesters of French, damn it. <laughs> All right. Very well done. All right, and last and certainly not least, our other very good near friend, Mark. I like good beans. Slover. By God, the Man Cave Movie Review does podcasting honor. <laughs> Very well done. Nice. Love it. All right, guys. Uh, we will be back next week with another great and fantastic review. Until then, ciao.